Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 you can do what you want to us but we're not going to sit here and listen to you bad mouth the united states of america gentlemen Hey everyone, this is the Weekend Answer Show. Garrett Fay, Jim Ringheimer, bringing you the biggest stories of the week, telling you what mattered across the country and also here at home, both in Southern California and in Sacramento. So what's going on with Joe Biden? He's trying to take some executive actions on gun violence, climate change, and of course doing nothing about the border. We'll get into some of that. And then former President Trump is going to skip the GOP debate next week. He got in some hot water over some questions about abortion, so he tried to salvage that. And then what's going on in the House? Well, House Republicans are going to get open impeachment, but Kevin McCarthy is facing some opposition from his own flanks. What's he doing there? And the U.S. Senate ditches its dress code. We'll tell you why that matters. Then closer here at home, Gavin Newsom is doing everything he can to destroy our economy on the altar of climate change. But some good news because a federal judge blocked Newsom's policy on parental notification in schools on trans issues. Then we'll have an update on some culture war issues, including Disney waving the white flag on the culture wars. But, Riggy, starting with President Biden, he's dealing with several things at one time. It was, you know, climate change week at the U.N. He had Zelensky in town. Then you got this auto workers strike in Detroit. And I think of all those, the ones that are pissing off Americans the most is probably the Zelensky stuff because there's this sense that the money is never going to end. But then if you're an auto worker, you kind of wonder, like, where's Biden at on this? He seems so pro-worker. He's kind of absent from the fray on this one. Yeah, there, there's several big, big, much bigger issues there. I mean, one of the things that's happening with the, the auto workers is you've got a situation where um, – the leverage point is big for the workers right now that they've never had before. The amount of money they have in their bank for the strike fund is bigger than they've ever had before. And why is that, we think? Well, because they've just been building it up. Okay. They, haven't, they, haven't, they, haven't, they haven't gone on strike in a while. Yeah, they've, they've rolled over. And then they come out and ask for this 40% um, increase, which everybody says that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. And they said, really? Why'd the CEO get a 40% increase in four years? So now, if you understand the CEO's compensation, it's stock price and that kind of stuff. So he may or may not make any real money. But the point of it is, is that's their pitch. And this guy who's running it, Fain, he's just not backing off at all. He's going for blood. Um, and you're just starting to see where the real cracks and the weaknesses in these, these companies. Now, in the end, what it used to be was um, that that you could shut down a factory and, and destroy a company because it took so much capital to keep a company going that shutting it down for a short amount of time would wipe out that business. And what CEOs back in those days did is they gave away future money. They gave away pensions. And then, of course, those those pensions and health care benefits literally bankrupted the big three. 
And so now you're in a situation where they're trying to do that again, get those health benefits back, and, and not just the health benefits. The pension is the biggest problem. Yeah. And those things just bankrupt you. Well, what's interesting is one of the things that the union was complaining about, and I actually feel somewhat sympathetic with this, is they're complaining that this push towards electric cars is going to do away with a lot of workers because if you're not building engines, you don't need as many workers, and the whole push all that towards electric really involves a lot of overseas stuff. So one of their beefs is the more we electrify – People are going to be out of work. That is true. Um, so that might be a reason for them to go on strike. Like, how's this going to shake out? Are, are the the companies just basically going to bend over and take it and give them what they want? Well, you're hitting a good point with the electric car. The electric cars, Ford has done something where they go ahead and show their profits by type of vehicle and car. So they had the electrical division, the, the EV cars, which is losing billions and billions of dollars. And then you've got like the Ford 150. F-150, 150 yeah. makes billions and billions of dollars. Normally... Those extra billions and billions of dollars could easily go to employees. But now those billions and billions of dollars have just to go to balance out the loss you're having on every single car that you sell. They lose money on every single car. Oh, yeah. Ford loses, I think, something like thirty grand on every electric vehicle. Every car. So if you, you lose that, how are you, how you going to do it? But the government's forcing them to do it. In the end, money's fungible, and uh, the, the money's not going to go to the employees. Now, would it be nice if the UAW kind of started fighting back at the Democrats? But they don't. These people just hang with their team no matter what. Right. I mean, what if the UAW came out against all this climate nonsense and electric vehicles? How about if they just slowed it down? I mean, that's the whole thing. To sit there and say you're going to have, uh, you know, the governor of California saying, what is it, 2035, we're not going to have any more. Oh, I know. But, but worse than that is, like, in three, four years from now, we have to have 40% of our cars. Yeah, that's, that's what the Obama the administration is trying to do. And again, it's you know climate change week at the UN, so all these lunatics who fly private get together and condemn us for driving our gas-powered cars. Now, the other news that Biden's trying to you know change the subject on is immigration and impeachment. So on immigration, Riggy, you have the border is just completely open. Tens of thousands of immigrants come in. People put the estimates at three to four million as a number of legal immigrants who've entered during the Biden administration. That's probably lowballing it. Let's be honest. So his, the border is out of control. Um, that's pissing people off. We've talked at length about what's happening in New York on that. But then he's dealing with this impeachment inquiry. They're going to hold hearings next week. And the White House is trying out this line of, well, there's a no in evidence impeachment here. J.J., clip number three. Here's the White House press secretary. And let me just say it is a no evidence impeachment inquiry. It is baseless. There's no evidence. Even Republicans in Congress have said there's no evidence. It doesn't exist. And so that's the thing that the American people need to also realize. There is nothing there. You know, that reminds me of like when you've got a murder at a trial and you go to bring him in and before you start the trial, you know, there's no evidence given to the jury yet. No kidding. I mean, that's what they're about to do. They're about to go ahead and show the evidence and they're going to question people and put things together. I think it's so amazing. Money is so easy to track. $20 million comes in from foreign entities, not in the United States, foreign entities, to all the different entities that Biden's son was involved in. He's, living, he's got two beach houses, uh, the president does. And uh, don't, don't worry about the money. Don't look over here. Obviously, when you just start getting down to where's the money coming from and where's it going and what did somebody get for it, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, what's interesting is we've talked before on the show about how people who go to Congress or the Senate, you know, they're poor. They leave and they have a lot of money. But most of them get it from lobbyists or from giving speeches. Biden is so dim, he's not been paid big money to give speeches because he's got nothing to say. So he figured out a way to do it where his family would get paid 
And you know there's going to be some evidence that's going to come up of showing transfers from his family to some accounts either that he controlled or at least had access to. Or because well, her son said, I paid the bills. Right, his right. son just paid the bills for his dad. Which is interesting because now daddy's Justice Department is having to run cover on Hunter on all his illegal shenanigans. Right. So that's maybe daddy paying him back. So the House impeachment inquiry is kicking off next week. What else has Biden done this last week? Well, there's a slew of things he's trying to do without congressional approval. He's going to launch the first federal office to tackle gun violence. Of course, it's not going to go after handgun violence. He's going to establish what he's calling a climate core, similar to the Peace Corps. And, Ricky, he wants to employ 20,000 people to work for the climate core to work on climate change issues. I mean, if this isn't a recipe for, like, local slush fund, acorn type of shenanigans, I don't know what is. Well, this has been done for years and years and years. I mean, whenever you come up with everything with the the, the, the big green deal that became the uh, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which is, a, you know, a BS name for it, all those things create, you know, billions and billions of dollars. And it's not just money you're giving out to companies to do the work. You have to run an organization, an operation, and you need all sorts of employees. So basically, once you set up any of these these ideas – they become full-fledged departments almost, even though they're not a department, but they just kind of run themselves. No different here than the Climate Corps. You want to get a bunch of zealots out there? Pay them. Right. You, know what the, you know what the zealots <laughs> do is after you pay them, they owe you. So they do your weekend protests. They do your organization. They do your political stuff. You basically hire people, tell them your story, and they're going to be like, oh, I'm in love with this guy. He's great. He's fantastic. Why? Because they got a job from you. Well, it's like Reagan said. There's nothing so eternal as a temporary government program. Yeah, a go- you know? or, or government job. So you, you set this up. And what's interesting is there had been funding for this thing thrown into some bill, but last year when Congress did one of its spending bills, it took the money – out. Right. So it was not funded. So what Biden's trying to do is look across the expanse of the federal government and fund this thing with money lying around somewhere else. But this, I think, is all misdirection. I think what he's trying to do is change a subject because I think some of his people do believe in this climate change stuff. But the border is really a big problem. And this last week, he announced his administration is going to try and give legal status to 500,000 Illegal immigrants from Venezuela. Here's Biden on the border security issues. J.J. Clinton, number one. For decades, immigration reform has been a bipartisan in this country. Unfortunately, the mega Republican in Congress and my predecessor spent four years gutting the immigration system under my predecessor. They continue to undermine our border security today, blocking bipartisan reform. Yeah, I mean, I love this guy. They just come, and then, then what does he say? I'm going to make sure that there's less illegal people crossing, so I'm going to let 500,000 come across legally. Well, that's brilliant, you know? Just go ahead and get rid of the crime, and then there's not a crime anymore. Yeah, if you legalize the illegal status, then the thinking, I guess, is no one's illegal? No one's illegal, and, and we got a system going here. But if people had worked with us, we would have been fine. The problem is is that they didn't work with us, and so now we just have to let four or 5,000 a day come streaming in, pay for everything, give them housing, give them a free phone. Oh, yeah, Joe, great job. <laughs> Up next, House Republicans grill the Attorney General over the Hunter Biden investigation. Kevin McCarthy faces GOP opposition, and the U.S. Senate ditches its dress code. Be right back. Unfortunately, the mega Republican congressman of my predecessor spent four years gutting the immigration system under my predecessor. They continue to undermine our border security today, blocking bipartisan reform.
Hey everyone, welcome back to the show, Weekend Answer Show, Garrett Faye, Jim Riegheimer, AM 870, AM 590. The show is also on the podcast, talking about some more national stories. And former President Trump was in the news this last week for a couple of reasons, one of which is he's going to ditch the next GOP debate. He says he's going to go to Detroit and try and get some union support, some union votes, which is interesting, Riggy, because when he won in 16, he got a healthy share of blue-collar union voters I'm not sure what he's going to say about the strike issues, but the fact that he's skipping the debate, I think, is kind of lame. He doesn't want to defend himself. His point is, I'm so far ahead in the polls, why should I debate? But that just seems to violate the whole spirit of how we do things electorally here. Well, I'm both. I mean, I'll tell you, my wife, you know, is a big Trump supporter. She's really upset he's not debating. I mean, what does he have to lose? Yeah, well, he has everything. To, everything, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, because all of a sudden you got all these people pounding on you, got all these gotchas, you got everybody at 2%. And they would pound know. on him, wouldn't they? Right. They would totally pound yeah. on him. They would, they would, you know, just, just do suicide runs at him. They don't care. If somebody's going to go. So. There's not a lot of reason for him to go ahead and do that. Obviously, Biden's not going to do it. So why kind of set yourself up for that, number number one and two? The next issue is he's got, he's got um, charges all over the place. Yep. And, and every time he talks to somebody, they ask him questions to get him set up to answer something that he shouldn't be saying. Right. Like when they ask him, during January 6th, what were you doing exactly during the day? Yep. You don't want to be saying anything at all because it's going to be used in a court of law after you. So I think the, the court cases actually have more to do with it because that's where he really can hurt. Well, another thing is some of these judges have issued kind of gag orders on him to a limited extent, limiting what he can say. But he did this Megyn Kelly interview last week, and he was asked about the confidential documents, waited in there, saying, you know, I'm protected by the Presidential Records Act, which is probably stupid. But also asked about abortion. Basically gave a, a bad response, condemned the heartbeat bills that have passed in various states, which got the pro-life community all upset. So then this last week, he came out and took credit for Roe v. Wade being overturned and said that you know he was a great pro-life president. Um, but I'm wondering, like, is he skipping the debates in part because he doesn't want to have to defend his record or, you know, I think defend those kind of comments? Because it seems like if he does these limited interviews, if he says something dumb— it kind of fades after a week or two. But like you said, if he goes on a stage, he'd have seven other people railing on him. I think it goes back to my wife. She, she likes him. She supports him. She's upset about him, but she'll probably still vote for him. He's got nothing to gain. He'll have people upset because, especially people who believe in the process, you should do this. And to, you know, If it gets down to one or two people, then he'll have to. Mm-hmm. But if it's still five or six or seven, he's got nothing to lose. Yeah. He's got everything to lose to be in those debates. So Trump will not be in the debate. The debate's still worth watching. But the fact is he's so far ahead in the polling that he really gains nothing by going. Now, what's happening on Capitol Hill this last week? Well, several things. Number one, you had Zelensky there. So he met with some senators, met with some congresspeople. Kevin McCarthy did not offer him a chance to speak to – the House of Representatives, which, Riggy, I thought was interesting, um, but I think McCarthy's trying to appease sort of his right flank. There's a lot of people who are questioning, what, when is the checkbook going to be closed to Ukraine? How does this thing end? And the White House response seems to just be, we're going to spend money forever. A lot of Republicans don't like that. I think that's why McCarthy said, yeah, you, well, you can come, we'll meet with you, but you're not talking to us here, basically. Yeah, well, also, I mean, the, the White House saying you're not going to get jets, you're not going to get jets, you're not going to get jets. The next thing they're saying is, oh, by the way, training for flying jets happens next week. <laughs> And I mean, tanks are going to be next week. Tanks, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you're, you start flying jets, you start taking out things, you start making mistakes. I mean, wars have been started. World War One was started over, you know, it's minor issues that just took off. Yeah. Because they'll say, you said this and I said this. Already, both of the um, the uh, the sides are getting amped up by what they're being told by their leadership. 
But, it, you know, this just can't go on forever, and it's just crazy that we're just going to keep on writing checks without any kind of plan. Now, I understand it's hard to negotiate your way out if you say, I'm not going to spend any more money. Right, because if the U.S. comes out and says, we're done, then Russia knows they've won, right. and, and Ukraine will be run out of money, run out of supplies. So there's a lot of things going on, but I think a lot of conservatives are rightly saying – are we just going to fund this thing forever? No, but then we had the same thing in Vietnam. You know, Nixon wanted to end it. So what did he do? He amped up the bombing so they would, you know, realize that he was real serious. And they go, we don't care. You know, we don't care. We're going to keep on doing what we're doing. And you're not going to negotiate anything. And before you know it, you got helicopters coming off the top of the uh, the embassy in Vietnam. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things, the dynamics here is House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is getting heat from his I think different sides of his his constituency. So you've got people on the right who don't like the Ukraine funding. You've also got people who are upset with him about how the budget funding is going. Uh, Matt Gates from Florida wants to basically hold a vote to get rid of McCarthy. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. And so you've got this weird dynamic rigging on the Hill where House Republicans are doing a lot of things they said they would do, like they're investigating uh, Hunter Biden. They're going after Merrick Garland. They've had the you know special prosecutor there. So they're holding hearings on things people care about. Yet it seems like a lot of the stories about turmoil in the House leadership. I guess my question is, is, is any of that real or is this just legacy media trying to create divisions and distract and make it seem like the House GOP is a basket case? You're, you're hitting it exactly on the head. The, the issues and the hearings that we're doing in Congress, if it was the Democrat side, you'd hear about it 50 times, reverberated around, boom, boom, boom. Did you know what Garland did? Did you realize, well, this money came for, for, for Hunter Biden? All this stuff. And the press would be pounding it, pounding it, pounding it. I mean, you know, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it, did it really fall? Yeah. You know. Imagine it, if Don, it, it, Donald Trump Jr. had done this it's, stuff it's during just Trump's not, administration. It would be pounding it 24-7, and they're not doing it. So the problem that Republicans have is they go out there and do the playbook like they think it's supposed to be done, and then nobody cares unless you're listening to more conservative radio or something. You're not going to even hear about what they're doing. Yeah. So they held a hearing this last week, and they were asking questions of Merrick Garland. He's the attorney general about the Hunter Biden investigation, the IRS whistleblowers, the prosecutions, the lack of prosecutions. And like you said, you know, some of the legacy media covers it. I saw some stories in Politico this last week, which started out as kind of center. Now it's far left. But there's some coverage. But yet, is it going to move the needle? Because the left tunes it out. The right says this confirms that we always thought. And I'm wondering, is this productive? You know, I, maybe it's good for fundraising. Maybe it helps congressmen say, hey, listen, we're holding the administration accountable. But if I'm Speaker McCarthy, I'm thinking, I'm giving you what you want. Why are you trying to kick me out? Well, the, the issue with, with Gates is more than just trying to kick him out. Remember, we got a four or five person majority. So, you know, you kick him out, kick him out to who? Who wants to go ahead and jump in and take that position? Most people don't want his job. So it's nice to go, go after him. The reality is he's going to work with whatever he has. And whatever he's got to work with, he's going to work with that. Right now, what Gates wants is he doesn't want to have these continuing resolutions anymore. They've been doing them forever. We're basically, on the budget. On yeah. the budget. You basically say, we're going to continue spending. We're just going to add 1% or 2% or whatever it is. And everything's equal no matter what it is. So no departments get taken out. No BS spending gets worked out. What he's saying is, I want to go ahead and start off with you know, the military budget, get it done, get it approved, move it through. The border, get it done, get it approved. Education, get it done, get it approved, and make people vote on those issues. And the reality, right? Standalone is, spending bills, right? And you've got a lot of a uh, lot of Republicans and Democrats both who do not want to be called on the carpet. If you're in a, a swing district, you want to just kind of keep your mouth shut and not tell people how you feel about a certain issue because 
you know, you, you, can, you can talk in such a way that, you know, it sounds like you're for everybody. Well, and if you vote on the continuing resolution, you're just voting for this big mammoth bill. You don't know what's in it, but you can at least say it's the status quo. We didn't do anything crazy. Yeah. The argument would be is you've only got four or five uh, person majority and, and everybody's a prince. They're all going to want their special stuff in there. So, you know, maybe if we had 20 or 25 majority, then you could really do stuff because you wouldn't have the uh, – the, the craziness of the minority doing whatever they want. Yeah. So now on this on the Senate side of Capitol Hill, we have I think what is the embarrassment of the decade, where Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer does away with the Senate's sort of informal but you know longstanding dress code, which allows Senator Fetterman from Pennsylvania, who is a slob, to wear shorts and hoodies on the Senate floor. And Riggy, I think you know there's a lot of things that could be said about this, but just starting with. This is an embarrassment. This doesn't make anything look better. This just makes the government look more ridiculous. Yeah, but if you read the stories, what are they talking about? They're talking about, oh, women, you know, they, they weren't allowed to wear pantsuits, and then women, you know, couldn't have something that was shiny. And, and only a few years ago, whatever it was, that they said you could have a sleeveless dress. It's about Fetterman. This has nothing to do with, you know, obviously there wasn't a dress code for women before because there weren't many women in the Senate. Now there is. Now, now and they don't can, complain. And they've kind of figured out the dress code and stuff like that. But Fetterman is just a joke, but the media is not saying this is the reason they're doing it. It's everybody else going. He's standing there with short, baggy shorts on, some boots, and, and a shirt hanging out, sticking his hand in to, to make a vote in the Senate. Yeah, I mean this is an embarrassment. Is And the funny thing is – Every UPS and FedEx delivery guy is more well-dressed than this dude. In, in shorts? And yeah, yeah, and they, they're wearing shorts, but at least they're tailored and their tops are a little tighter. I mean, the idea that we should all lower the bar to accommodate this thing is ridiculous to Well, me. And, and my question, as we talked about this before, is is he just doing this because that's what his voters like it's to It's kind of his shtick. His shtick, like, I'm going to stick it to the man. I don't have to do this. I'm your senator. You know, look at me. Look at me. I don't know. I think people in Pennsylvania may figure this one out. That's It's still an embarrassment. It's like, wear some pants. Exactly. When we return, Governor Newsom is on the warpath to destroy California's economy for the sake of climate change, and a federal judge blocks Newsom's policy on parental notification. Be right back. Welcome back to the show, Weekend Answer Show. Garrett Faye, Jim Rickheimer talking about some California stories. And we mentioned at the top of the show that it was climate change this last week at the UN. Uh, we won't get into all the reasons why that's ridiculous. Um, but here at home, what does it mean for us? Well, Governor Newsom is on the warpath. As Riggy mentioned last segment, there's been this quota that's going to be put out by the Air Resources Board, CARB, where they want to have a certain percentage of California's vehicles be electric, and they want to eventually, you know, following up on the vision of Al Gore, Mr. Social Security Lockbox, they want to get rid of the internal combustion engine in favor of electric cars. A lot of problems with that, um, not least of which is it's not going to happen, and it involves, you know, slave labor from China, mining minerals, raping the earth to get the minerals and all that. But, Riggy, I think what it means for us here at home is as long as Newsom is governor, we're going to be stuck with this stuff. But the news this last week, aside from him being in New York for Climate Change Week, was 
He says he's going to sign some bills that are going to require big California-based companies to disclose what might be their climate risks. He's going to sign California SB 253, which would require companies earning at least $1 billion per year and doing business in the state to disclose their scopes 1, 2, and 3 emissions. It's the first time it's going to require these companies to disclose where in their supply chain the bulk of the emissions comes from. It's going to cover more than 5,000 companies operating in California, but the bigger issue is always not just what it does in California, but what impact this has on other states. Uh, And then another thing is he's going to sign a related bill, SB 261, that would force large corporations to disclose their climate-related financial risks. So before we get into what he said at the U.N., you got these two bills that are going to come home to roost for California companies. What's the impact here going to be? Well, it's massive impact, really. And it's, again, where California goes ahead and says, we're going to do this to just California companies that operate in California. But most companies that operate in California at that size operate nationwide. So it, it, it's the, the left is very good at this. So what they do is they make you give a whole list of all the things you've done wrong. And they make you give a whole list of how much pollution you have and how much second, you know, secondary gases you cause and everything else that you have that's bad, okay? Now, if you don't fill out that form right or they can't find it or you miss something, you have a violation for doing that wrong. So the idea is to keep on dumping it. Now, whether it's true or not that this is, these are going to be bad things, the left says they are going to be. So you need to write a report that matches up with their science which may mean nothing. I mean, I don't think most people disagree that there's some climate change issues. The question is, are we dead in 12 more years or six more years? This is nuts. I mean, the world has a way of kind of balancing itself out and things get worked out and we get done. But what they're making them do is basically give a whole list of everything they have. And then, like, look with the financial ones. Now, tell us your financial risks. We don't have any financial. Oh, you don't? Then you lied. Okay? I mean, that's just what they say. Then you lied. And then it's, it's just a total train wreck for companies. And then it also helps with the climate change um, group because, well, every, all these corporations say they're doing something bad. Yeah, this is kind of like the DEI stuff, the diversity, equity, inclusion. Yeah. You have these outside groups which give scores to co- corporations based on their efforts on these certain issues that have nothing to do with the company's core missions. And here what they're doing is they're basically imposing on companies an obligation to disclose things that are probably not material financially and don't impact the ultimate share price or product price, but it's all about hyping this issue. And what again, what is the point of this? The point of all this stuff is not to protect the earth. Because if the point was to protect the earth and the environment, then these people would all totally abandon the idea of, of electric vehicles and batteries and solar power and you know wind power. Because all this stuff is made by slave labor in China. It, cre- it all involves the use of uh, coal, oil, and gas to make the steel that's used in the turbines and the uh, energy panels. So there really is no environmental benefit. I think ultimately it's about enriching themselves, controlling us, and having this weird vision of society where they put us in our place because they're controlling us. And yet the thing is, enough people buy into this idea that, oh, the planet might be in immortal peril – Let's give all the authority to people like Gavin Newsom. Right. So let's look at California. If California tomorrow just turned out the lights, just shut everything down, every car, every building, every air conditioner, every pool pump, everything got turned off tomorrow, it would do less than a 1% change on the planet Earth. Right. Okay. 1% on planet Earth because you've got India and China and these people, you know, they'd, they'd love to get natural gas piped to their, to their building. Oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're cooking with cow dung. 
Okay, but no, we want to tell them that natural gas is bad. Don't ship it anywhere. Don't get any natural gas um, imports to be done. Don't ship it out of our country because that's all really bad stuff. Meanwhile, California shuts down less than 1%. you think 1% makes a difference in, no. on, on the way the wind blows? No, not, not at all. And the other thing, too, is it's like people always say, oh, we have to get rid of carbon. But no one talks about how small of a percentage carbon occupies in the atmosphere. It's 0.04%. You can do your part, you know, <laughs> just don't exhale. So here's a little bit of Gavin Newsom at the UN, JJ clip number one. It's time for us to be a lot more clear. This climate crisis is a fossil fuel crisis. This climate crisis persists. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. It's the burning of oil. It's the burning of gas. It's the burning of coal. And we need to call that out. For decades and decades, the oil industry has been playing each and every one of us in this room for fools. They've been buying off politicians. They've been denying and delaying science and fundamental information that they were privy to, that they didn't share or they manipulated. Their deceit and denial going back decades has created the conditions that persist here today. And so thank you, Madam Undersecretary, for recognizing California's effort to join the efforts of others, to be more clear and concise in terms of what we're up against and our responsibility to do more and be more. And I say all of that in closing with a spirit not of a closed fist, but of an open hand and an appreciation that we are all in this together and mindful that all of us have unique circumstances, all of us have unique traditions, all of us have unique challenges. And I just offer this, uh, Mr. Secretary General, again, gratitude to you, not just for your position, formal authority, my God, you know, he just he cannot finish a sentence. He's such a politician. And where is he at? He's at the UN. Where what? Half of the people at the UN are dictators and despots. I mean, it's like a joke, and everybody's like clapping and everything else. That's the Europeans, by the way. They're over there clapping. Oh yeah. Away. yeah. Well, what, and the joke of this is, all these Europeans, they all want to do net zero. They want to get rid of their you know carbon emissions. But they know it's a lie because China is actively building more coal plants every day. Yeah. And they go, oh well, th- that's okay. Because China's also where we build our solar panels. China's also where we get our minerals for our electric car batteries. It's like there's so much hypocrisy, and they know this isn't going to do anything. So I'm just wondering, like, what is the ultimate end game here? You know, this is a movement that's been lying to us for 60 years. First it was global cooling, then it was global warming, now it's climate change. Meanwhile, everyone's fine. If it gets warmer, we'll figure it out. I'm just wondering, like, what do they actually want here? Well, they want control. I mean, it's a simple thing. If you can go ahead and, and control where people are at with their, their money, whether they, they have bank. I mean, remember the truckers in Canada? They shut down oh, their yeah. bank account. I mean, look what's happened to uh, – oh, yeah, farmers in Denmark. Yeah, I mean, not Denmark. Don't mix them up the lowlands. Netherlands? Netherlands, oh, yeah. yeah. But, but the farmers in, in the Netherlands who are the most prosperous people around, they're saying, oh, you're using, you know, what, nitrates or something for, for fertilizer – and that's causing CO. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, farming puts out too much CO2, so we need to get rid of farming. Al Gore said that this last week, basically. He said, you know, farming and agriculture is responsible for a lot of carbon emissions. Therefore, we have to take the carbon emissions out of farming and agriculture. Like, are you an idiot? What are the plants Car- going to right. eat? The plants need carbon dioxide. This stuff offends like second grade science. Right, now, speaking of control here. Some good news came this last week when a federal judge in San Diego, and this guy is sort of public enemy number one for Newsom. This is uh, a judge, again, San Diego District Judge Roger Benitez. 
He ruled that the California state policy barring schools from notifying parents when their children want to change genders violates the constitutional rights of parents. He said, basically, uh, when a school learns that a student has questioned his or her birth gender or identifies a transgender, it must notify the parents even if the student objects. And he noted, this is just common sense, that a school's obligation to inform parents if a child suffers a life-threatening concussion during soccer practice, is the victim of sexual assault, or has suicidal thoughts, the parents must be informed even if the student objects. Basically, students don't get to claim privacy rights Parents have the ultimate control under the Constitution. Really, this seems like common sense, but the left is at war with common sense on this issue. Well, remember, this was going to be overturned by a judge. We know it. But again, politicians want to um, go out there and tell the public about how great they are and all the, where their positions are. And this is just their, one of their ways of doing it. It's just saying, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, knowing it's going to get turned over. You know, Biden's going to continually say, I'm going to get rid of student loans. So those people are always supporting him no matter what. In the end, people are making their payments on student loans again right now. But the good thing is, at least in terms of this policy, you know, individual school districts are doing what they're going to do, which is fine. But when the state comes in and goes, parents don't have a right to know when your kid says or does this kind of stuff, that is insane. It's like I said before, their whole impression of, of a parent is a dad wearing a, you know, a, a, a wife beater shirt, drinking his beer, and the kid comes in and says, Dad, I think I'm gay, and it's like, ah, I'm going to kill you. Right, because every kid who identifies as gay or transgender is just going to be killed by their parents or commit yeah, suicide. That, that's, that, their parents care about their kids. Parents want to know about their kids. Parents want to help their kids. That's it. Coming up, how to stop doctors from performing gender transition surgeries, and Disney wants to quit the culture wars. Don't change the dial. show your weekend answer i'm garrett fay i'm with jim rickheimer we're talking about some legal and cultural stories talking about the intersection of the transgender movement and medical malpractice interesting stuff and then what's happening with disney seems like the ceo wants out of the culture wars but riggy starting with this lawsuit that happened in nebraska and long story very short a woman who underwent a sex change procedure as a teenager but then detransitioned, she's suing the doctors and hospitals that facilitated the removal of her breasts when she was an adolescent. And as the lawsuit said, quote, proceeding straight to breast amputation in a depressed, anxiety-ridden, gender-confused adolescent who was incapable of understanding the lasting consequences of her decision constitutes negligence for which defendants are jointly and severally liable. Now, Nebraska Medicine, one of the main defendants, declined to comment. But the basic gist is that despite this woman's history, the doctors rushed her into a gender transition surgery without considering her psychological state. And it says the defendants used deceptive euphemisms and unscientific terminology to sell gender transition procedures to this person. It talks about hormone therapies and everything else. Um, So, Riggy, big picture, this woman is going to have her individual lawsuit. But I think if suits like this, number one, keep getting filed and go anywhere, either by settling or by winning in court, this is going to have a major impact on this entire movement. 
Well, first of all, um, there's a lot of great doctors out there, a lot of hardworking doctors. It's very tough to be a doctor. But, you know, a lot of them care about making money. And there's just a lot of money in sex change operations. I mean, you know, they're, they're not like they're, they're bullet wounds or they're having to take care of someone's heart, you know, with a heart attack or replace. I mean, it's you schedule the operation. It's a quote-unquote almost cosmetic-type surgery, but pretty evasive. And you take a 14-year-old girl and remove her breasts. I mean, and it, like, it all cleans up nice. And, you know, you make 30, 40 grand with the operation and have all stuff done. And uh, in some cases, insurance pays for it. In some cases, it doesn't. But you've got these kids that you know, are confused about what they are. That's not unusual. This kid in particular had psychological issues, and they were looked like some adult man was, was grooming her or him, whatever. All these things that just shouldn't be happening to a kid. If you think life is natural and there's natural medicines and all sorts to do, there's nothing natural about cutting off a breast. No. It, it just There's nothing about it that fixes you. You're basically working on the outside offenders to figure out how to, how to fix the car, and the engine's the problem. Right. Well, and the other thing, too, is like, you're taking someone who's in an unstable, unhealthy state. You don't do life-altering permanent changes at that point. That's when you hit pause, right? In any other part of life, if there's something bad happening, you don't go, hey, you know what? You're in a fragile, unstable state. Let's do something radical. Like this just seems to offend common sense and normal human interactions. Like you said, there's money issues at stake. But my um, what thing I'm wondering is if, if the plaintiffs prevail in these cases – I'm betting doctors will stop doing these surgeries because malpractice companies, insurance carriers, will stop offering policies if they think they're going right. to get hit. And if they think if, if I provide an insurance policy to a doctor or a practice that does this stuff and they get sued, and I'm going to be on the hook for millions of dollars. You know what? I think I'll just stop offering insurance right. coverage. And, and, and malpractice insurance is for when a doctor makes a mistake or right. does something wrong. From a surgical standpoint, they may not have made a mistake or done something wrong, wrong in the surgery, the, right. the procedures. So they look at that. And in fact, a lot of doctors who get hit with a malpractice will go to court and win because the jury will look at it and say, no, he or she did the best that they possibly can do. In this case here, it's not going to happen. They're going to say, what were you thinking? She was 14 years old. She was 15 years old, whatever it was. And you went ahead and said this was fine. By the way, Dr. So-and-so, did your office make $40,000 on this? Uh, yeah. Do you normally make $40,000 on you know, this kind of stuff? Uh, yeah. You know what? That sounds a little like you did this for the money. Right. Well, and the other thing, too, is it's like there is a money component, but there's also a long-term component, which is you might have done the surgery correctly, but if you screwed up someone for life, that violates the standard of care and your Hippocratic Oath, right? Right. Which is do no harm. So you're, you, know, you have some confused person who comes to you and says, I want this. You go, okay. Like what parent would do that? Yeah. I mean, you know, if there was one good thing that came out of COVID, parents were home watching their kids at school. Right, they found out all about TV. the crap. The public started finding out this stuff. This stuff's been going on for years, and we didn't even know about yeah. it. Yeah. Now, the other thing, good news coming out of Disney is the CEO, Bob Iger, who'd been the CEO for years, then they he sort of retired. They barred in the new guy. That replacement guy got into the culture wars with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis over the bill, which the critics called Don't Say Gay, which caused Florida to go to war and basically remove a special district that let Disney control all the land and services around Disney World. That lawsuit is still ongoing, and so in the wake of that, they bring Bob Iger back, and he goes to Investor Day this last week and says, you know what? We're going to basically quiet the culture wars, which makes it sound really like he wants out. Disney's going to get back to the business of actually maybe entertaining people with a good time, not being on the forefront of all these cultural skirmishes. Yeah, it came out and said the next 10 years, we're going to spend $60 billion on rides and, and, and infrastructure and trams and all sorts of stuff. Going back to what it is, and, and as a parent... 
you love going to Disneyland, and you love taking your kids there and all the good movies and everything else that they had. And then when they start crapping on it and doing all these things to it, you're like, damn it, why are you doing that? Yep. We were enjoying this. This was fun. Now I can't take my kid here anymore, and I sure don't want to you know, support you. I don't want to watch you know, Disney shows anymore. I don't want to watch ABC News, uh, ESPN. Well, I guess I'll still do ESPN. <laughs> well, yeah, for a, for a while. But the thing, too, is like in the wake of the – in the conservative, I wouldn't even call it, maybe it's boycotts, but the boycotts of Bud Light, Target, other companies, there is real market power there. And people who have kids are predominantly conservatives because more conservatives have kids than liberals. It's just right. a fact. Yep. So if I'm Bob Iger and the Disney board, I'm thinking, how do I ensure I keep customers the next 10 years? Well, maybe I stop pissing them off or maybe I don't even take a side. I don't have to support them, but maybe I just say we're staying out of this. Well, the previous CEO was listening to his employees who were, you know, talking about how they would sneak, you know, gay characters into cartoons and all sorts of stuff. And they're a little touche. Look what I got you for. I, I went after the man. And so he just didn't have the gravitas with his employees and the, and the company was being run. I mean, remember, we were having employees protest right. things in Florida. And uh, obviously, Iger has the gravitas and the employees just, you know, shut up, sit down and go back to your which is job. good because and, and the same thing happened in Netflix. You know, Netflix kowtowed some of their employees for a while, but then they finally came out and said, "If you don't like our content, you don't have to work here." Right. So right. it's like, but this kind of goes back to the union thing of like, who controls companies? It's not the employees. No, no, no. If all. you want to be the CEO, you can get that job. It's but available. Not, not. Coming up, some good news about using pig kidneys for human organ functioning. Be right back. All right, everyone, this is The Weekend Answer. Garrett Fade, Jim Ringheimer, ending the show on a high note. And, Riggy, we have an amazing story about how Wilbur the Pig is helping people live longer, donating his kidneys, which are going to be used in humans. This is an insane but awesome story. Yeah, so they genetically modify the kidneys. They do some gene editing. It's obviously pretty complicated, but this is the kind of stuff we're doing with DNA nowadays. And they basically have tried out where people don't have any kidneys for whatever reason and they're on dialysis. Um, they, they actually did a seven-day test where they put the pig genetically changed kidneys in, and immediately within minutes they were producing urine. They worked perfectly fine, actually. The test went on for seven days, and then they went back to the, the machine. But the kidneys were still alive, still working. This is a major, major thing. You know, pigs last 30 years. Um, a person, when they get kidney disease, usually later in life, to go ahead and be able to replace kidneys and the whole amount of billions and billions of dollars and billions of billions or millions and millions of hours people sit getting dialysis yep. would all be taken care of if they could find a way to do something like this. Yeah, and this dialysis is, is expensive. There's a lot of Americans who suffer with it. 800,000 Americans have kidney failure. 240 Americans on dialysis die every day. So if Wilbur the pig can help fix that, kudos to Wilbur. And some more bacon for the rest of us. That's going to do it for us this week on The Weekend Answer. Keep it here all week. Go buy your tickets to Town Hall 2023. We'll see you next weekend.